Welcome to Incommunicado, a weekly podcast exploring communication and the weird and wonderful realm of modern language. There's a special part of communication that's scorned by many, understood by few, but loved by us, and that part is jargon. Using jargon as a starting point for discussion, we want to delve deeper into what communication really is, how we communicate in our day-to-day lives, how we develop meaning through language, and how we can better navigate it. In each episode, we will be joined by a guest, delving into some of the big questions that we have. Why do we use jargon? When do we use it? Could we live without it? And when does it leave us incommunicado? To begin the series, today's podcast will be hosted by myself. I'm James Dellin, and I'm the creative director of James Dellin Creative, a video communications company based in the Midlands. And me, uh, James Burford, and another James. This could get quite confusing. Uh, I, I'm a recent music technology graduate from the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, and now I work as a freelance marketer with a specific focus on managing social media campaigns. So I'm Amy Borchard, a creative consultant specialising in HR strategy for the museums and cultural heritage sector internationally. My first question is, Amy, what what exactly is a creative consultant? What do you do? So I find it very, very difficult to explain to people what I actually do. Because I work for a recruitment consultancy, we support the development of major museums and other cultural activations and visitor experiences. Everything we do revolves around communication in some way. So we help clients to attract talent all over the world um, through what we call capacity building programs, but we'll get into that later. Uh, So we match candidates with their dream jobs and we develop organisational design structures Uh, But essentially, it's um, developing structures um, that make teams work better together. So it's just how different departments uh, operate together to achieve what the organization, what the organization wants to achieve. And we also do training. We often refer to that as capability building programs. So it's all very, very fancy and wordy. Well, yeah, I was going to say you've really you've given us a, a, a jargon heavy you know, a loaded description of what you do. And I was actually going to do the same for my job. And then I think, James, you could do the same for your job. And then all three of us could unpack it. And we could start to, that's a really good place to start exploring what this jargon actually means. Because frankly, Amy, I understood about four things that you did. I am no closer to understanding (laughs) what you do. (laughs) That's cool. That's that's cool. Already we're starting to see how jargon can both be um, non- uh, communicative but also very directly communicative if you know what it is so yeah. so what is a creative director well i mean actually across industries it means very very different things but for me i'm i'm actually just going to read out what i say that i do on my website and then we can unpack it from there so i run a creative agency specializing in high end video communication and content marketing We help clients tell their stories to their current audience, and we help them reach new markets through the use of intelligent design, powerful video content, and clear, easy-to-understand copywriting. Oh, so marketing. (laughs) We take an holistic approach to enabling clients to engage with their own customers from a top-down level. Communication is my commodity. Without the systems that make it up, I'd be out of a job. At JDC, we start from a conceptual level when designing communications, but God is definitely in the details. One letter out of place can make the difference between Amy being an aunt and being a... Okay, well, I'll let you... <laughs> that joke definitely works better written down, but I, I wanted to make it anyway. Isn't it amazing that one letter in one word can ruin a reputation? 
It can change your perception of somebody and it can potentially cause harm and alarm without reason or warning. It's powerful stuff, this communication. But our mission at JDC is to navigate these tempestuous waters to bring a sense of belonging and understanding. And then I had a joke about like, there's no communication without community, but Mm. I couldn't get it to work. So, but I think that idea of community and communication being part of the same sort of uh, word stem is something that we could explore as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for me, like communication is, is is key in my uh, in my work as well. So yeah, managing social media campaigns. It's when you have to when you have to coordinate one and deliver it and monitor it. Um, what remains true across all of that is that you've got a message to deliver. You've got to deliver a, a coherent message, basically. Now that message might be informative, or it might be humorous and jokey. Um, it might just be completely dr- trying to direct a uh, customer or consumer like towards a sale, essentially, like just like that. It could have any function or purpose, really. So um, what always remains true is that my clients have got something to, to say, and it's down to me to essentially make sure that their clients or their prospective customers hear it or read it, I suppose. There we go. A very muddy idea of what all three of us do. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting how you read out what's on your website because obviously that's language that you use to speak to potential clients. So this is all about you know first impression when someone looks at your website. Mm, yeah. Not not that's not to assume that people first discover you through your website. I don't know if that's social media or word of mouth or what, but I think that is very interesting the language that you use. Mm-hmm. You know that's different to the language that I use if I'm having a coffee with someone and trying to explain what I do. And obviously the introduction I gave is not actually what I would say to somebody. I would lay it out in much well, plain terms. I'd like to then go back to your introduction. I've got a couple of notes on some of the things that you said, uh, mm. but you actually did quite a good job uh, in the first instance of of, um, of picking up on, on a piece of jargon that you know is jargon and then um, unpacking it in the moment. So you said about capacity building mm. programmes. If I read that, I would understand that probably as HR, but potentially even operation as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, James, what do you think uh, about the, the the phrase capacity building programs? <laughs> it's it's uh, there's a bit of a smoke screen around it because I think now that yeah. we know that there's uh, now that we know it just means training. It's like what why why have you? But built it doesn't, it up? James. That's not training. Well, there we go. That, <laughs> okay. there, there's well, there's cool. my ignorance shining through. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to. I have to say that I, I w- what I was saying is from uh, from a, a, an unencumbered perspective. Mm. I, that's what I would think. But I mm. thought after Amy had said it, probably because I don't listen very well, is that she'd she'd said that it was training programs. Yes. So Amy, like unpack it for us. What what so, building? So yeah, so so in our work, we we often use the terms capacity building and capability building. So capacity building essentially means you are helping an organization or institution to build up their capacity mm. so the people that they have capability building is about the skills and the competencies that staff have so that is training uh, yeah yeah and yeah, when I, we say capacity and capability yeah, i can start i can start to see the distinction between that now yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah but you would you wouldn't um or rather you would forgive somebody for mixing up capacity and capability mm. oh, for sure. you know what i mean but it, interestingly so in every proposal that we do um we do like you know we do have to make sure that we are explaining what those terms mean and i think fundamentally you are just trying to make 
what you do sound more value adding than if you were to just say recruitment and training, which sounds very, very flat because it's something that's been around mm. for so long. I find that fascinating because to me, jargon is a shortcut. Rather than using jargon as a shortcut more and more these days, we use it as as the long way around. It's the seat. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's to, like you just said, Amy, to add value to a proposal or to a phrase that might sound um, flat in other terms. Mm-hmm. It's something that I do. Yeah. Uh, definitely, it's something that I do. And, and it's something that, um, <laughs> this might sound a bit conceptual and strange, but in, in visual, you can do the same sorts of things. You know, you can, um, instead of just like using a block color, you can change that to a gradient or you can change mm-hmm. that to, um, you know, a, a, a palette and, uh, and complementary colors I uh, maybe I'm just waffling here, but I think there's this interesting parallel between using jargon as the long way around and how visual communication can also use a long way around, but you almost have to in visual because otherwise it's boring. Mm. Mm-hmm. And do you have to in business and pitching? Otherwise it's boring. I suppose it, it could depend on your client. If you've got a straight shooting client, that doesn't want to hear all this corporate nonsense. Mm. Just tell me how much it's going to cost and I'll be on my way. And, <laughs> you know, like, yeah I, yeah, I I find that interesting. Yeah. I find it really so, interesting. I suppose if you, if, you were, if you were saying, you know, to a friend, you know, when you're down the pub, well, do you remember pubs? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you are, you know, down, down the pub, for example, and you said to your friends, oh, I'm, I'm on a training weekend this weekend. Oh, boring. But if you're on a uh, a capacity strengthening weekend, <laughs> yeah, then, oh, right. there we go. That's oh, a little my, bit more my elaborate. Friend, my friends would be like, "Get out." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is um, actually one of the reasons why the, this podcast came about, in particular, because I know I've had conversations with both of you about um, the sort of language that we use at work and the sort of language that crosses between. Uh, the sort of corporate work that Amy does and the more freelance independent work that you and I do, James. Um, this idea that you're, uh, <laughs> you're incommunicado, that's why, why we came up with the name, is because incommunicado, for, for those of us who want to know, is a term used for when you cannot communicate with somebody. And so this idea of, of, of barriers between um, either groups of society or groups of business or um, whatever. This is the whole <laughs> point of what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to break down those barriers to, to find out why this sort of language is used. And it seems to me that in this example specifically that Amy's talking about, the jargon used is, is salesy. It's more marketing. Mm. It's more world building. It's more um, narrative led and storytelling and storytelling is the perfect. So what's mm. really interesting about that, because I'm going to bring it back to me now, obviously. It's, <laughs> um, my, my whole business is storytelling. My whole thing is about helping clients to tell stories. But the jargon I use in my industry is very, very technical, very much a shortcut. We don't really use jargon with clients because they don't need to understand uh, terms that we use to describe lenses or terms that we use to describe cameras or microphones or boomsticks or lighting or anything like that. It's just not necessary for them. And, and, and in fact, when I have done that in the past, 
I've often found myself almost alienating a client because it mm. becomes quite elitist because I know what I'm talking about and you don't. Like, that's why you've hired me, you know? Like, I mean, how dare you not know what an 1835 3.2 is? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why would they? Why, why do they care? Like, you, you run a butcher's shop. Like, yeah, Well, I presume that they, they kind of care about what that piece of gear is going gonna, is gonna to achieve for them. I, I, do. I do, but actually they don't really, they often don't care because the idea of making a video, I know it's unfair of me to ask you, James, because you've got an insight into this and, mm. and maybe, uh, uh, your photography background gives you an insight into, you know, lens choice and all the rest of it. But if you were to, if I were to put it to the group, you know, how would I create an image that allows the background to be way out of focus and something really abstract in the foreground to have this sort of real slim field of view. It's quite possible that certainly a client of mine would be like, mm. just get your phone out, mate. Phone out, mate. Portrait mode, isn't it? That mean. But if I tell them that that's what we're going to do, I'm going to create this wonderful abstract mm. world where there's this really, um, e even saying things like really slim field of focus or plane of focus you know even that's a bit pretentious mm. but that's what i have to say to understand in my own world <laughs> what the hell i want this image to look like you know mm. so yeah, absolutely i mean uh, that's that's my piece i'd like to open that up to discussion what do you think about jargon being um a form of elitism and a form of um club building i suppose I definitely think it does uh, generate um, in groups and out groups. I feel, and I think there could there could very well be a tribal mentality. You know, when uh, you know coming coming from uh, an audio background as well, when uh, people have got certain pieces of gear and they talk about it doing this. Oh yeah, this this EQ really brings out the highs. You know, all this sort of thing. You know, for the, for those coming into like the audio industry, for example, at the start, that could be really quite confusing. And they're like, what the hell is, what the hell is going on? But for people who've been in the industry for 20, 30 plus years, whoever, um, things like that are just second nature to them now, aren't they really? I suppose. It's their bread and butter. Absolutely. Yeah, well, absolutely. It, that is their shortcut. Amy, can I invite your um, insight on this as well? Yeah. Um, Clients often, as you were kind of saying, don't actually care about the process that you are going to go through to get to get them their result. Um, and we sometimes, so at my work, or I should say I sometimes, fall into that trap of like, okay, I'm going to ask them what they think about this. I'm going to ask them what they think about it. And then they've like clients have turned around multiple times and pretty much said, this is what we hired you for. Mm. Some clients, you really do feel that mm. collaboration. Um, and I think actually James, so James and I, or James Dellen, sorry, uh, have worked together um, before. And that feels very much like a collaboration. And I mean, you you use terms and I use terms. I think we, but we, sometimes we both understand what that means. Sometimes we don't, but that is a, you know, that that's working on a project um, together, by the way, not client. Facing. but um well you you were my client but, weren't you yeah. yeah so but again you felt very much like a partner because we knew exactly what we wanted and we went through that process together yeah. um to, to to achieve the result but then other times i think clients do not care mm. for for the ins and outs of that process of 
you know, they just want to see, for example, in James's case, the video, mm. just show mm. us. What, and I think it also comes down to what is the client's understanding? Um, sure. You know, have, have they reached out to you because they literally have no idea how video works? Or have they reached out to you for a creative collaboration um, that they want more input into? No. Sorry. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely. I mean, what's interesting from a supplier perspective is that um, the clients that come to you with a fully formed brief know exactly what they want, almost yeah. to mm. the point of actually sending you um, or sending me, sorry, uh, storyboards. I mean, they are always the best clients to work with and they always get the results that they want and they always come back because they they might not have an interest in the process of, of creating it, but they have this really clear vision at the end of it. I think it's true across all creative endeavors anyway. I, I find that with my design clients and with my, um, I don't really have photography clients, it's more of a fun thing for me, but with, with, mm. certainly with design, I've had people actually sketch things out and you know, even sketch out layouts for me. Uh, I want an image mm. here, and I want two hundred words because they understand the yeah, process yeah, yeah. Mm. to get the thing that you want. Having that small amount of understanding of the process seems to be the key. Good insight, thanks, guys. So, James, I think um, I want to hear a bit more from you about your sorts of clients and your sorts of challenges with jargon and, and like. Absolutely, and I, I think you two uh, definitely will 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 have an a, an opinion on this i'm sure so a lot of the uh a lot of the work that i do is uh potentially for for clients who at the very top end at least in their companies are they're older than me essentially you know they are they are fully fledged adults not just uh university <laughs> recent university graduates like i am but i wonder especially in my work you know when i'm i'm working with you know when i'm using facebook and instagram and twitter and all the tiktok you know all those things all the time do you think there's an element of do you think there's an age related factor or maybe an ageism that that comes in when especially in our fields which are a bit more creative and digital i wonder if it's down to you know, us, us youngins, uh, us youth to, um, you know, get the job done because we essentially know how we use Facebook and Instagram, TikTok all the time. So 300%, like three, 300, that's a hundred percent each. Is that all? Each. I think. <laughs> I don't think you're so sure, James. <laughs> I, it, it, so yeah, that that's a really, really good thing to ask because obviously I, I'm one of your clients and mm. I am. Uh, older than you um by a factor of about 10 years and i have more confidence in you using those platforms because my experience of them is at the very burgeoning edge of their development mm. I, I i remember a world not that you guys don't but i remember a, a world a very established world without facebook without mm. web 2.0 like without this idea mm. of user created content i i remember that and so um this might just be an internal insecurity or an internal barrier that I have, but I feel my age kind of prevents definitely with TikTok. I, I can't understand TikTok. It's just too, um, I've used this word before. It's too violating for me. Like <laughs> I, I watch it and I'm like, how the shit do you know that I want to watch this next video? Mm. How do you know that? Mm. And this one, and this one, and this one. It's been 45 minutes. Like, Where's my life gone? Mm. Whereas if I was to try and market on a, a platform like TikTok, I, I would um, have to take a long time to really learn mm. how the platform works and how it could best fit mm. my clients. 
And then actually, sorry, that's a good point though. The time that it takes, is it, you know, in, in a monetary sense, is it then worth, just worth it to go and pay someone else to do it for you? That, that was going to be my point. It, absolutely. Yeah, because exactly. I have a confidence in you having more of an intuition, uh, more of an intuition in how to use these platforms because you know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be condescending, patronising, or offensive. But you're of an age where these platforms were uh, very much established and part yes. of your life. In your Absolutely. Years. Um, same. Same for you, Amy. It, it, both mm. of you are so much more comfortable, and um, uh, these 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 platforms have been an intrinsic part of your life. That for me to learn how TikTok works in a marketing sense. Um, would, would I just a I can't be asked <laughs> because I've got so much else to do. Do you know what I mean? But because of that, I would have more um, more confidence in choosing somebody younger to run a campaign on that platform. Mm-hmm. Amy, what do you think? If we were to link that back to jargon, if you were to employ someone to basically run that business for you, would you be interested in them explaining to you? Um, how it works and you know with all of the words and terms that go with that or as somebody who has employed someone to get that job done you know you're you're pretty much like just do what you think is best Mm. is there still a, a communication barrier do you think in your understanding so when the two of you are talking about using these platforms i'd 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 be interested in that in a conversation in the pub but I wouldn't be interested yeah. in my professional life. Like he can do it. He's got the expertise. Go and do mm. it. You know, these yeah. are the results that I want. This is the platform I want to use. You know how to use mm-hmm. it. I don't need to know. But if we go for a drink, you know, it might be an interesting topic of conversation for sure. Mm. It's not a professional concern of mine to learn the language of those sorts of things, which is, you know, I've just like hit the zeitgeist of how clients are as well, isn't it? Like I'm his client. I'm your client, James. Mm. So... I don't care how you do it, just do it. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I've bamboozled you with enough uh, jargon about social media that you're like, yeah, just get on with it. I, I yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> three, I've bamboozled yeah. Amy with enough nonsense about how I had to use After Effects to write Arabic to get into one of our videos. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah. But you're right. And then my response to you was, you know, don't worry about it. Just let me know if you manage to do it. Mm. Like he didn't, he didn't need to talk me through his entire process of yeah. how that's going to work. But I, I think that's not just a jargon um, uh, case. It, that's more just about the process in general. Yes. Like we don't all need to know every step of that process that's going to get you from A to B. Yeah. No, it's, it's essentially um, counterproductive then, isn't it? You know, if you're having to explain it as well as do it yeah. at the same time, the job's going to take twice yeah. as long, isn't it really? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to explain that I was using this crazy roundabout method so that you mm. are getting a lot of value out of my work. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. That's, that's a really, really good point. Actually. I, wanted I mean, to that's tell the whole you. point in itself yeah. to, to make a client understand how long that actually takes yeah. and how much skill that actually requires. So mm. I think that's a really, really good point. actually. And once again, then you're <laughs> demonstrating, uh, you're demonstrating a passion. If you're having a conversation with someone, whether it is a friend or whether it is like a potential client, customer, however you want to look at it. If someone is using loads of pieces of jargon, do, do we just naturally believe they know what they're talking about? Because what they could be doing is trying to bamboozle you with enough words to demonstrate that they do know what they're talking about, whereas in a sense they, they might not. 
you see what I'm is, you see what I mean? Yeah, that's a fascinating point because that you you're enabling a charlatan through Jones. Ab- absolutely. Like you and I, James, definitely know um, you know, uh that person in the studio that wants to tell you all of the jargon that they know and they haven't got a clue. So mm. um do you remember the DFA button? Oh the DFA uh, the DFA. So yeah. I've heard, Amy, I'll share this story with you and with our wonderful mm. listeners, of course. I've I've heard of studios that have a panel on in their rack and it's got a um, like a volume knob on it and they call it the DFA mm. knob. Mm. And so if there's a client, if there's a musician in the studio and um, they know they're a bit of a wide boy and they don't really know what they're talking about, but they're asking for all sorts of stuff like, oh, can I just have a little bit of sparkle here or a bit of 5K there or a bit of low end there? Whatever they ask for, they just walk over to this knob and they twist it. And nine times out of 10, the client goes, yeah, that's better. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you've done something amazing there. That is so good. And this knob is wired to nothing. <laughs> and in the industry, the DFA stands for does call. And so every time they touch it, there's this psychological idea that because yeah. the client thinks that they know what they're talking about and the engineer knows that they don't know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. kind of have this trust in one action changing the thing that they talked about isn't that fascinating that we can i'm pretty sure that's now that that whole concept has gone into production so i I was i was working with um (laughs) working with work working with an audio company uh uh, up here in in birmingham we were were installing a uh, a desk i think it was a an audience uh audience desk one of their new sort of heritage models and there is genuinely a, a physical dfa button and I don't, I don't even know if it lights up or anything. Like I, I'll have to check, but absolutely hilarious that 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 concept has now got into physical production. That's quite. I think that would be quite a Brit thing, though, because oh, absolutely. Audience obviously are, are an English company, and as Brits, as Brit engineers, I wouldn't turn around and say to my client, "You don't know what you're talking about, mate." Mm. I would just say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll change that for you," and then I'd mm. flick the thing, and then I'd tell an embarrassing story down the pub. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Another interesting point is that sometimes people don't even realise that the words that they are using is is jargon to somebody else. And I think, especially when you work in consultancy, it's safe to assume or, or at least always treat your, um, your client like they know not very much at all. Sure. Mm. Um, not in a patronising <laughs> way, but um, I, like just as an example, so... Uh, one of my colleagues was in a workshop, a creative, again, this feels like more jargon, but a creative workshop, which um, it, it was an online conference, uh, I think in the Middle East. And they, they're basically bringing loads of people together in response to COVID um, and basically thinking about how um, we can we can come up with some really cool idea for the future of how people can collaborate remote remotely. And anyway, so... Because we are in consultancy, this workshop was made up of people from all different industries, all around the world, wherever. And they were talking, like they were making their point. And I don't know what terms they must have been using, but they're obviously terms that in our working day we use all the time. It was probably something like roadmap and work back. And somebody literally cut them off, just stopped them and said, look, I'm sorry, but can you just say what you're trying to say? Mm. Like they said, can you not use consultancy speak, Mm. please? Because we're in a creative workshop. Like 
we don't need to hear it basically and I think my colleague wasn't aware that they were using it because we use it all the time it's literally become our language mm. um, and it's not something that we use um, consciously it, it's just now in our vocabulary wow. mm. I know you've got another point to make but I just want to jump in on that I, I remember a time where um, my, my dad is a lawyer by trade and he worked in local government for a long long time and if you take a moment to think about what sort of audience you have to talk to in local government it's the general public you know and um it, it, a, a lot of the time because you're talking to everybody in the general public your um your language has to be at a sort of uh, for want of a better word it has to be of a reading age you know mm-hmm. that a lot of people the most people can understand and as a lawyer you know he um he never struggled with this, but he he definitely was aware of uh, this this movement within law to use what they call plain English. So even, you know, what seems to be an industry based on its own language and, and, and a different language. I mean, there's so much Latin still used in law. The idea that uh, even lawyers were like, hang on a minute, guys. Like, I know we know what we're talking about, but that's because we're hotshot lawyers. Mm. But these guys don't have a clue, and you know maybe we should open that up to them. So <clears throat> I guess my point is I can um, I don't have a point. I just thought I'd tell a story. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What's a waste of our time? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that that is that is interesting, and it's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. But um, I, I certainly know that I've been a um, a linguistic chameleon, shall we say? Oh, oh, oh. oh. oh point that one yeah um, that, that's that's one for the merchandise yeah. <laughs> but no but you, do you know what i mean like you when you're having a discussion with someone i think you very quickly under, like understand rightly or wrongly you very quickly place them in a category of you know knows everything mm. thinks they know everything or doesn't yeah. know anything at all do you see what i mean and then you adapt mm-hmm. your language to to them i know i've certainly done that in my in my in my, well, in my life really not just in my working life but aren't you um don't you suddenly become acutely aware of you being in that category of, oh yeah oh, shit, i don't know what's going on here mm. if someone else is using language that you don't know it do, it can make you feel um mm. like you were saying about in groups and out groups um and amy's just sort of proved the point with the client uh sorry one of the people at the workshop saying look I, i'm in the out group here guys i don't actually understand what you're talking about mm. you, you become very aware of that Actually, that was, and it would probably impress. So, uh, Amy, go back to when, um, in, in your story, when the person turned around and said, you know, can you explain this in layman terms? I would probably have more confidence in that person when they've used the jargon, been called out on it, and then been able to explain exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that demonstrates to me a higher level of comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Did you have another point to make, Amy? Just this idea that apparently when we hear people use terms that we don't understand, we often do give them more respect Mm. because, and and it's what James was saying about, it's like a psychological thing where you just feel because they are acting like they understand, you feel confident in their capabilities, basically. Mm. Oh, look, we're back to capability. Um, (laughs) But but it's an interesting point because I think sometimes you can actually gauge whether somebody is using empty words and if somebody actually does understand mm. so, um what they're talking about i have a, I have a, a specific 
example of this when I was talking to um, I was talking to somebody a long time ago, and uh, it was just a rando I met on holiday, and they were talking about um, some of the tours that they'd done around poorer countries, and they were talking about the buildings that they had been looking at. And they said to me, you know, these places were in such decay that you could see how the infrastructure of the building was failing. And in the moment, I was like, you, you, you're not talking about the right thing. Like the mm. building doesn't necessarily have infrastructure. It, it kind of is infrastructure in, in the city. You could argue that maybe he was talking about the plumbing and the electrical and all this kind of stuff, because that that sort of finds its way into this term of infrastructure. But the guy was just dumb, so he was using the wrong word in the moment. <laughs> so, like, you can um, you can really give a bad impression of yourself if you start trying to use jargon um, and you actually don't know what it specifically mm. means. And if you, in that situation, if he'd have said, you know, the buildings are so decayed that you could see the infrastructure of the building failing because the pipes were broken or because the um, all the wiring was sparking... I'd be like, okay, he's not dumb. Like, he's okay. He knows what he's talking about. And that's a snap you know judgment from me, don't get me wrong. But I, I now feel a bit terrified <clears throat> to talk to you about anything, James. I, I, I've been judging you since the, the right moment word. we met, don't worry. <laughs> I'm like, have I been using the right words? Probably not. What, to say <laughs> but that's not to say I'm like a linguistic god. I know that I use the wrong words from time mm. to time. But I, I um, like I'm always on a quest to make sure I know what that word is and if I have used the wrong word I try and correct myself like you guys know a conversation with me is not efficient like it takes a long time because I'm trying to find the right word and I'll even say three words before I get to the actual one that I want to use mm. um that's a me thing though you know like that's just how I like to be uh so yeah can I just um draw everyone's attention to the wonderful piece of merchandise that Amy's wearing <laughs> he has a sweater and if you're only listening to this on um on your podcast platform then i would highly suggest that you go over to the video platforms like facebook watch and youtube to have a look at what our beautiful faces look like obviously <laughs> and to check out some of the merch that we have got for sale on the website there you go there's my plug thank you James. That. I, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came across a really interesting point and it's actually about how we use jargon when we're working within a team. That they were basically making the point that the words that we use can really influence the way that we behave at work. So she was making the point of when we say action points, we are implying that that piece of work must be done quickly. And another one that I use all the time, but I hate it, is we're going to jump on a call. Yeah. And it's like, this is an immediate thing that needs to happen right now. I, I'm sure if we sat here and had a think, there are so many words that we use that all have the implication of something being done very quickly. Mm. And, I, and I think, yes, that is just the pace of consultancy and work in life in general, I feel. Um, but at, at the same time, I think there is actually, it, it could be quite damaging, I think, sometimes to always feel like everything needs to be done now and quickly. And, and again, I think language has such a huge part to play in that, in the way that we think about the work that we have to do. I would find it exhausting, I think. Not not the pace that we've just spoken about, but but mm. but that the choice of those words all the time. Mm. I would just think, you know, as, as I just said, like, you know, let's just 
let's just converse normally. Let's just speak normally. I'm doing it myself now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would, I, I would probably find it exhausting and, and maybe that's me looking at your industry and, and your work life, Amy, and obviously you've become mm. accustomed to it. And as we said earlier, you've now brought it into your own vocabulary all the time. But, mm. but for me, yeah, I think if I, if I'm, if I were to jump into that now, I'd be like, why, why does everybody talk like this? <laughs> just, just. Yeah, but it is it yeah. is crazy like i get like another example it's like i now say in my personal life let's debrief on our days before we go to bed where did that come from literally where did that come from yeah. and i get called out on it all the time and i don't do it intentionally yeah. but what i'm saying is let's talk about our day before we go to bed yeah yeah. But I'm saying debrief. Like, what are we debriefing on? That's, that's <laughs> interesting because a debrief, for me anyway, a debrief is something after a, a particular set mm. of actions. So yeah. my understanding of a debrief is um, from a military perspective. What went well? What went well? Quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a success yeah. criteria that we always mm. used to see on our primary school and that, boards, that you know. is pretty much what I mean when I say it. Like, it's well. such a – it's so psychologically – but like I feel like I do that like I go to bed and I'm like what went well today and I think I, d- I wasn't like that before but everything I do now I, before, I feel before what before the trauma of getting a yeah, corporate job you mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah but um or, or and I say to friends like do you want to jump on a call mm. do you want to let's touch base at lunchtime that's really interesting like, because you and I James we we may use language like that but we know we're doing it ironically we, yeah we're almost poking fun at the whole thing like, yeah but okay go on, go on well no i'm just gonna say obviously like you know we've been in, in, in prep for this podcast for a while now and every time that us three are talking or having individual mm. conversations whenever we, it's like we're playing jargon bingo you know whenever we say something we're like oh yeah that, that's one of them that's one of them honestly if, if you probably go back once you're aware of it mm. if you go back and, and and you know uh listen to everything that we've done after this you could honestly rack up a high score of the amount of pieces of jargon we've we've used unintentionally i know that i know that when i um maybe, maybe not so much in uh jargon specifically but i know that for example when i go home and visit my parents my language in general changes uh, a lot more than it does when i'm may- maybe speaking to to you know my friends as opposed to my family why i think you know i mean they 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 know me entirely don't they? they're my family they, they know me inside out and so they they see me probably in a different light than a than a client would or a customer would or, or whatever you know if i were to <laughs> if i were to uh talk in the same way to a new client the, the same way I talk to my my dad about the football, you know, lads, 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 let's have a beer, which is which I absolutely love. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't get any work. Do you, do you know what I mean? But, mm. but I wouldn't ever try and hide uh, hide that part of me because I think it's absolutely brilliant. But yeah, if I were to do that in a in a working capacity, I, I don't think I'd have much work. That's interesting because that suggests to me that jargon is your masquerade ball. Yeah, but, you know. Not to suggest that you're not being authentic. There is a level of 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 of. Well, it goes back to that linguistic chameleon that I, I'm desperate to push. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right, all right. That is interesting, and and this chameleon. That's a really good metaphor to to uh, draw up about being a chameleon. 
Mm. I'm assuming that you mean because you blend in and nobody notices. Of course, yeah. No, not just kind of a little creature slithering around. No. <laughs> I, I was chewing, more... on, chewing on leaves all day. <laughs> I was drilling down on the idea that nobody notices you, Boo. Oh, drilling down. But James, that's uh, James Burford. Sorry, that's another interesting point because when you talk about when you talk about the football with your dad, mm. that is jargon. You are using. So when you talk about being a chameleon you are Adapting. blending yourself into the context of whatever it is you're talking about. Absolutely. Talking about with because it's not um, an aside from jargon. You are just using a different type of jargon because you're talking about. I think, else. I think that's a brilliant point to make actually, you know, doing my research for, for this podcast, this show, you know, I've looked at, uh, so I, I know that you guys have looked at obviously uh, marketing and, and more of a corporate world in general, where I've explored mm -hmm hobbies essentially so i've looked at jargon and specific terms that we use in in football in darts in poker in in gaming that sort of thing and yeah you're quite right amy it exists across the board doesn't it across the board i mean where did mm. that come from <laughs> across the boardroom across the I feel board like, members i feel like we need like you know etymology corner like you know like dictionary <laughs> corner they have in countdown corner oh my god what a feature that is <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I, I think we covered a lot of ground there, guys. I think that was um, some good discussion. We could potentially move to a uh, feature to get towards the end of the podcast. So, the feature that we've got today is our um, favorite bits of jargon. And I'm going to open it to the group. I'm going to tell you what my, one of my favorite bits of jargon is. And I'm going to see if you can guess what it is. Amy's going to do the same. James is going to do the same. But actually, I would like James to start. Okay, so uh, going back to, to darts. Um, so yeah, football, darts, poker, have a catch. Um, I know. Uh, <laughs> so there's, um, it's not a jargon, but it's a, it's, it's a phrase that we use um, in darts, and it's bed and breakfast. What do you guys think it could be? Amy. I mean, you know, you know yeah, go for it. Oh my God, James! Do you know what it means? Because I don't want to guess, and then it's I, I don't. Well. I don't know what it means. No, I haven't looked it up. Can you give me a clue, James? No, <laughs> you can't. No, <laughs> he was going to give me a clue. No. <laughs> you wouldn't have a clue. Just, have just a, a time. So, uh, okay. Have a go. Um, no, I just want to ask: Is it related to? Um, it's related to a specific like score. Scoring? Yes, a specific score. Oof. Don't tell her any more than that. <laughs> Bed and breakfast. Um, that sounds kind of like all-inclusive. Okay, interesting. So I feel I would associate that with um, you've kind of covered all... Or you've got the you've highest score the, or covered, something. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I would say the highest score, but you've kind of covered the board. Okay. Whether that means that you actually achieved a higher score in doing that, or if you've actually just... That is really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, That's interesting. That. Yeah. But she travels, so, so she's got this bed and breakfast all-inclusive type thing. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so for me, I thought bed and breakfast might have been double 20 and double bottom number, whatever the bottom number is. Uh, three. Three, okay. That's what I because bed is at the top of your day. Yeah, sure. Is at the bottom of your day. Yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, both interesting points. You're going to be disappointed now because you've come up with better, uh, better, better <laughs> examples than the than the actual one. But literally, so on the dartboard, obviously twenty is in the middle. You've got five on one side and and, and one uh, adjacent to that. So twenty, five, and one. So literally, when you're throwing and you get a score of twenty six, which is not very good, but that's probably what I've become accustomed to. 
That's what we would call. <laughs> so I, I, I'm throwing. That's a twenty. That's a five. That's a one. And I'll hear my dad shout behind me. Oh, bed and breakfast. And I'm like, but literally, a score of twenty six refers to bed and breakfast because uh, in in them olden days, uh, a, a bed and breakfast used to cost twenty six p, an average of twenty six p. Oh so wow! Okay, that's, that's, that's it. really interesting. See, yeah, I, I, but that's really interesting. that is interesting because when as you were explaining it, my mind went to this idea of. Um, all three numbers being next to each other mm -hmm. and that sort of representing what a diary might look like if you had bed and breakfast or people living next to each other like yeah, you know yeah, for yeah, the yeah. night yeah of course yeah yeah it is funny and you know darts is darts is peppered with all sorts of funny phrases i mean one one that we've generated ourselves is a score of 41 which is 20 20 and 1 obviously i'll hear my dad or my brother shout behind me oh, home but that's because our home house number is 41 so it's just something it's just something that we've generated mm. ourselves but that's really interesting so you're making up your own there we go. family dog yeah we are. so that you know so that you can communicate that's definitely a shortcut home mm. 41 yeah yeah interesting yeah okay cool thanks james amy what's your um piece of jargon hi listeners james from the future here Amy did have a cracking example of her favourite piece of jargon. However, when we came to the edit, she was insistent that I take it out because she felt, in her words, that she butchered the definition of what her piece of jargon was, which is uh, obviously entirely terrifying. But what I thought might be a nice idea is if you go to our socials, that's at Incom Podcast, across all networks, all of the networks except Twitter. So we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook. This podcast will go out on those networks and we'll have highlights as well. If you're listening to this, if you go to those networks and you have your idea of what a talent pipeline is, then please let us know because that was Amy's favourite piece of jargon. It's talent pipeline. So thanks very much for commenting and uh, we'll get back to what we originally recorded now. Thanks. Bye. But yeah, sorry, James, you're one. Oh, okay. So, so no one has got gotten any no. right answer yet. Which is I'll be I'll be really impressed if either of you get mine. Um, so it's a piece of jargon that you use on a film set, and you because uh, usually you're connected by walkies on a film, walkie talkies on a on a film set, and efficiency is is key because filming you have to set aside a lot of time to do it, but as soon as you start doing it, time just flies. So you have to be efficient with your language. So one piece of jargon that we use over the walkies is ten to one. So in context, that would be, I would get on my walkie and I'd say Dell is 10 to one. And then I'd have somebody, I might even repeat that. Dell is 10 to one, Dell is 10 to one. And then director or producer might say, okay, Dell, thanks for letting me know, over, right? What do you think that means, 10 to one? My, do you want to go first? Yeah, so my initial thoughts are that it's, there's a military aspect to it. So in the same way, you know, 10-4, all that, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Honestly, I have no idea. I'm trying to think about like what 10 to 1 would look like on the clock face. And I, honestly, I, I have no idea. I'm absolutely stumped with this one. Amy, what do you think? Um, <laughs> I love it when somebody knows what it means and everybody just looks so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm trying to work backwards from... James, you said somebody would say to you, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. So it sounds like you're not in the room 
or, or you're not close to that person. So th thanks for letting me know is like a kind of standard, you you have to use your walkie to communicate with anybody, even if you're in the same room. Okay. Sorry, that's the context mm. because your walkie is usually connected to every member of crew. So mm. you have to say your name and then what you're doing. And director producer is the only person that can really say, okay, great. Like, thanks for letting me know what you're doing is authorization that you're okay to mm. eat 10 to one. Mm. 10 till 1. I don't know, that sounds like a good lunch break to me. <laughs> 10 till 1. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much my working hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Hello. I would say you you are either ready or you're not ready. Like, you've either got an issue that's going on at, or you're ready to go and he's like, okay, thanks. Kind of, yeah. Okay, should I put you out of your misery? Yes, please. Mm. Being 10 to 1 means I'm going for a wee. <laughs> Why? What? What is that? I don't know, but it means I'm going to the toilet. And what do you think going to two means? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's the ruder one. Um, but yeah, ten, ten to one, ten to two is indicating to the whole crew that you're that's what I was about to say. You're indicating it to the entire crew, and everybody's like, "Thank you, James. We've got a ten to yeah, one." Yeah, yeah. So um, interesting. Uh, just to tie it all together before we finish, because we will have to finish now. But interestingly, about this word talent. Obviously, talent in on a film set are actors, people mm. in front of the camera. Um, and so sometimes you'll hear talent is 10 to 1. <laughs> they, won't, they won't tell you which one it is. You say talent is 10 to 1, and then director will say thanks for letting me know. <laughs> so just to be clear, you do also then say I'm 10 to 2? Uh, well, I mean, some... Like, does it not just mean, is there no blanket? 10, 10 to 1 is the blanket, but if you're a bit yeah. of a cheeky chappy, and you're comfortable mm. about letting people know you're uh, a blue... So you, so you <laughs> yeah. often say I'm 10 to 2. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just say it to put people off their lunch. <laughs> what if you say like, I'm 10 to 7? They're like, what is going on with him? Then you're, then you're at work too late, Amy. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good note to end on, James, going home. Yes. <laughs> not that we're not all at home. Well, that was fun. Thanks, guys. I have got yeah, to work you. on my sarcasm because that that wasn't sarcasm. I genuinely believe it was fun. And uh, I think we need to summarise, don't we? So what have we discussed? I feel like we've discussed the idea of jargon within a uh, corporate environment, how useful it can be and how unuseful it can be. I also feel like we've discussed the crossover between a corporate environment, the use of jargon, uh, sorry, the use of jargon in a corporate environment, as well as the use of jargon across um, sports environments, mm -hmm. across hobbies environments, across personal environments. So the idea that jargon is pervasive and insidious in our lives is, in my mind, very much a real thing. Is it a problem? I don't know. I think that we'll have to discuss that with other guests to determine whether it is actually a problem or in what context it becomes a problem and also in what context it becomes an advantage. James, mm -hmm. we've spoken uh, a number of times on today's episode about this idea of in and out groups. And we, we've often discussed the out groups, but perhaps maybe as we go forward through the series, we can discuss the in groups and how, mm. um, how much more belonging you can feel and how, how it can actually be quite a positive effect on a working environment and somebody moving into uh, a new working career. So is there anything that you guys think that we're more or less clear on after this episode? 
Oh, God. Um, I mean, we're clear think... what 10 to 1 means now, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that is some clarity. And I know what bed and breakfast means. And, you and do. We, um, you can I, hold I, your own. <laughs> Hold your own in a game of 501 down the booze now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are like, and we still don't know what Amy does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know who Amy is. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I think something that I'm interested to discuss further, among other things, um, is this idea of can the use of jargon in our working lives help us to create um, more of a boundary between our personal and working lives. Um, I think that's a great thing to explore. Yeah. Because I, I think especially in a modern world where work is your entire life, mm. I, I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself, yeah, yeah. but I often find, you know, my work head is on 24 hours a day, even when I'm asleep. So um, I think it's interesting to think how can language um, help us to better, I guess, compartmentalise different parts of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Something. I think, you know, you um, from somebody that's been self-employed for so long as well, uh, you know, it's, um, it is difficult to switch off and maybe that language, maybe the language we use, the way we communicate can um, affect positively our, our ability to divide between professional and personal life. Mm. James, we're running out of time. I'm going to leave the last word to you. Well, that's a dangerous thing to what do. What are we doing on the next episode? So on the next episode, we are going to be uh, bringing in uh, our first uh, special guest, and they're going to uh, discuss uh, the, the jargon and all the technical phrases that they use in their, uh, their industry. I think that's going to be the format that we're, that we're going to explore on this podcast, is we're going to bring, bring in a guest, whatever industry they, they may uh, represent, and we're going to explore uh, everything that we've discussed today uh, specifically to their work life. Fantastic. Well, James Burford, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Amy Borshard, thank you very much. James Dellen, thank you very much. This is Jimmy Comunicado. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Hi, everyone. Future James again. Thank you so much for listening to our pilot episode of Incommunicado. We recorded this solely over Zoom, so I feel like it's a good thing for me to do to, to apologise for the janky nature of the audio. As it was the pilot, we were doing a lot of experimentation with the tech that we have available to us. Obviously, being a lockdown initiative, we have been um, challenged, to say the least, as to make sure that we had the best possible quality going forward we think we've sorted that out now so if you've made it all the way to the end and you're listening to me here i would encourage you to follow us on all of our socials which i've mentioned before but they are instagram linkedin facebook and youtube and we are at incom podcast that's i-n-c-o-m-m podcast and we're also at www.incompodcast.com if you want to get involved in the website there Thanks very much again for listening to us. Like and subscribe and comment and all that wonderful jargony stuff that happens for SEO. And we'll catch up with you in the next episode. 